Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. So today we're going to start a new series for the month of March that I'm calling Great Spiritual Reminders. And in each lesson, I'm going to be sharing practical things that we can remember to do or to be that will help us to live our lives in a much happier way and a much more abundant way and uh, just in a better way all, all around. Today's lesson is on the theme of living with ease and grace. I find myself using those words, ease and grace, a lot, actually. And I'm sure I do because it's something that I want to experience more of in my life. And I find that the more I say yes to, the more I have on my plate, the more that I am passionate about accomplishing in my life, the more I have to really lean into these spiritual practices so that I don't drive the people around me crazy and I don't drive myself ragged. And so this idea of living with ease and grace. This series that I'm calling Great Spiritual Reminders, it, the teaching style of it is really the teaching style that many indigenous cultures have, have used to pass on great wisdom to the young ones, to the generations coming after them. And in many indigenous cultures, the elders would use examples from nature as a way to teach, readily available examples, a way to teach. In the Old Testament, in the book of Job, listen to these words. But ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds of the air, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, or let the fish of the sea inform you. Even in those very ancient days, the idea of looking at the world around us, looking at the power and the beauty of nature itself, and learning from it, letting it teach, teach you, teach us. Jesus did the same thing, really. If you think about it, he often, he taught by story, he taught by example, and he often taught by using examples from the world around him, from nature. He talked about the wind and the waves. He talked about the fish. He talked about, about bread and leaven. He talked about the birds of the air, right? These were everyday examples of, of nature that people could relate to. Living with ease and grace, I'm going to use as a teacher, if you will, the beautiful insect called the dragonfly. I know many people who actually have a dragonfly as a personal symbol for them. They are amazing creatures. And the more we can learn about them, and it's true, really, the more we can learn about anything from nature, the more we can learn about ourselves, or at least be reminded of better ways that we might go about living our lives. And there's a lot of symbolism wrapped up in this amazing little creature called the dragonfly. And I want to give you a little bit of context for, for some of it. In most cultures, 
The symbolism associated with the dragonfly is positive. For example, to the Japanese, the dragonfly symbolizes dawn light and joy. It is admired and respected, so much so that the samurai use it as a symbol of power, agility, and best of all, victory. Think about it. When you think about a samurai warrior, you don't necessarily think about something as tiny and fragile and delicate as a dragonfly, right? And yet it's used as a symbol by them, as a symbol of power and agility and victory. I wonder why. I'm going to share some of that with you in a few minutes. In China, people associate the dragonfly with prosperity, harmony, and good luck. And among our Native Americans, it's a symbol of happiness and speed and purity. Now, here's some funny things, or rather peculiar things, that some cultures have associated with the dragonfly. In Swedish folklore, it's suggested that dragonflies came around to check for bad souls, to weigh them, whether they deserve to go up or deserve not to go up. And in days gone by, in many parts of Europe, it was believed that dragonflies would sneak up to children who tell lies or grown-ups who curse and swear. And the dragonfly would stitch up their eyes, their ears, and their mouths. So there's a lot of symbolism here. And, you know, whenever... There, whenever human beings associate symbols and meaning to something else, it's usually because there's something about that thing that is instructive, that can be helpful. So there are six elements that I want to share with you this morning that I associate with the dragonfly and that can help us, I know it helps me, to attempt to live with greater ease and grace. Say that again. To live with greater ease and grace. So the dragonfly can maneuver on land and water and in the air with equal skill on land, water, and the air. It spends most of its early life, actually, most of its early life is spent in the water itself, in the nymph stage. Dragonflies live maybe usually about a year. Some versions, some species can live as long as four years, but the majority of their life is spent underwater. And then when they go through that partial metamorphosis, then they are able to, to fly and go anywhere and everywhere and can be found skimming across the surface of water. But they start in the depths. And to me, it's a reminder, it's an inspiration for me to not just skim the surface of life, but to explore the depths of life, to really question why, to really want to deeply understand. Think about it for a moment. In so many relationship challenges, the reason that we often have challenges in our relationships is because we're dealing on the surface level. We haven't probed deeply enough to really try to understand where the other is coming from. 
we can look at this on a more individual or family unit level, or we can look at it in communities, we can look at it in our country, right? That we don't solve our problems by just putting a Band-Aid over them, by just skimming the surface of them. Real human problems usually require digging deep, going beneath the surface, and that requires thinking. It requires deep thinking. One of the things I cherish about my dad, he passed it almost two years ago now, was that for all the difficulties we had in our relationship, and we had quite a, quite a number of them, one of the things that he left me with, and I believe my brother and sister as well, he really stood for teaching us to think, and to think for ourselves. That became a problem when we thought too much for ourselves, and the things we thought about were not the things he agreed with. But nonetheless, the very emphasis on going deep, on asking the deeper questions, on not just skimming the surface, but really trying to understand the why behind something, is a quality that I appreciate very much now. It has served me very well in my life personally and in my work in ministry. So from this dragonfly, it's a reminder, an invitation. Don't just skim the surface. Be willing to probe deeply. What you also may or may not know about the dragonfly is it's one of the only insects that can move in all six directions. In all six directions, right and left, up and down, forward and backward, and it can hover. All six directions. I think about that, and when I think about that, and if you've ever watched a documentary where, or um, uh, closed caption, not closed caption, but zoomed in photography where you see these incredible creatures being able to move with such agility, it's an invitation to me to step back in my own life and to ask, how agile am I? How balanced? Am I? And do I need to take a look at that? Do I need to, to learn how to move through my life with greater agility, spiritual agility, with greater balance? And that requires, I think, a step-by-step -step adjustment. It requires paying attention to what is needed in this moment, what's going on around me, and how do I flow with it instead of push against it with agility, with skill, to be able to move in all those directions as the need arises in response to what is whatever is happening around it. In preparing for this message, I found an article from the National Geographic magazine that wrote about this maneuverability and speed of the dragonfly and, and said now there's some varying um, numbers here, that they can fly as fast as 35 to 55 miles an hour, that they can make a hair spin turn so quickly that it exerts a tremendous amount of g-force on this tiny, tiny little insect. Whereas in comparison, a, a fighter pilot can not withstand much more than nine Gs of force of gravity before they black out. And German scientists, this is what the article was studying in part, are studying what allows a dragonfly to be able to experience such a force of gravity without 
blacking out, if you will, or without becoming unconscious, and they use that in a very loose way, but so that it can experience that and still survive and still be alert. And it has to do with the way, the structure of the dragonfly's body. Specifically, they discover that the dragonfly executes one of these hairpin turns, that these bags that there, there are in their internal organs are surrounded by special bags of fluid that exert pressure so that the blood or the oxygen, if you will, the equivalent of that, does not leave their functioning organ that allows them to really think, if you will, that it keeps the oxygen in their, quote, brain. And what's fascinating to me, even though I, I don't understand all of the biology of it or the mechanics of it, is that there are scientists who are studying this tiny little creature, God-made creature, studying it to say, what can we learn from it to help our fighter pilots remain safe? To me, the idea of being humble and teachable enough to look at anything around me as capable of teaching me something, if I would just pay attention to it, is powerful, is powerful. So from this little creature to move with agility, to move with speed, it inspires me to go for simplicity and efficiency. Another amazing fact about these creatures is that they can fly as they do and maneuver as they do, exerting, by comparison to other insects, much less movement of their wings. Their wings flap 30 times a second. Now, that may seem like a lot. It does, right? 30 times a second. Multiply that to a minute. That's a lot. 30 times a second. But mosquitoes, in that same second, are flapping their wings 600 times. That's why you hear that buzzing sound of the mosquito. What that says to me, when I heard that statistic or that fact, I went, oh my gosh, the power and the efficiency that that little creature exerts. How can I learn from it? How can I step back in my own life and ask, how might I be a little more skillful? Where might I be a little more efficient? Is there a place that, like the dragonfly, that executes with such simplicity and grace? Is there a place that I can step back and simplify things a bit? This is coming so to the forefront for me when I remember the word that I received at the end of the year as my guiding word for this year for myself and for my work. Reimagine. To do that means stepping back, looking afresh, looking anew. The dragonfly, one of the things that people admire about it is its beautiful colors. Just for the fun of it, if you have a few minutes today, Google beautiful dragonflies and look through some of the images and you will see just an amazing array of color, all different colors, because most of their body is completely iridescent, meaning that, that it reflects color depending upon how the light is hitting it. You know, one of the things we associate with spirituality and with spiritual awakening is light. Jesus, our teacher and way shower, 
used light as a way of describing us. He said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. There are so many places in our world today, there are places in your world today, as there are in mine, that you and I are being invited to shine our light more brightly, more beautifully, to reflect it in places where maybe it's not being reflected too too well, to shine in whatever color is needed to be shown in just the way that the beauty of the dragonfly comes about in brilliant color in response to what is needed in that moment. I mentioned earlier that so much of the dragonfly's lifespan is spent in its pre-metamorphosis, partial metamorphosis stage, in the nymph stage where it's usually primarily under underwater. But when it finally emerges, It can do all those things I've just been describing. It can move in all those six directions. It can move so quickly that scientists want to study it to to learn how it does that. That all of that suggests to me that there comes a time of living life to its fullest, of really seizing the moment before us You know, one of the blessings, and for all the challenge and difficulty this year has been for all of us as a result of the pandemic, there have also been gifts. And I know you recognize that, and it's so important that we remember that. We have been given the gift of time to step back and really evaluate, reconsider What matters most to us? Are we living our lives in the richest, fullest, most meaningful way? And if not, not to shame ourselves, not to berate ourselves, but if not, to ask, well, what needs to change? Metaphysics is grounded on the idea that change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking, change everything. Nobody said it's necessarily easy to change our thinking. It's, you know, we've, think, we've thought ourselves to the way that we are now. It may take some time to rethink a different version of ourselves and a different version of our life and our lifestyles. But the same us that thought our way here can think our way to a new and better place, to a place where we are living with greater grace and ease, to a place where we are living our lives more on purpose and more in alignment with what really matters to us. And the last that I, the reminder to me from the dragonfly comes from the fact that its eyes are an amazing part of this creature. Their eyes, and about 80%, they say, of their brain activity, I don't know if brain is the right word here, but 80% goes into their eyes. Their eyes see in 360 degrees all around. Don't you wish you could do that? And I mean that spiritually and metaphysically, even more so than, than physically. To be able to look all around, to take it in with greater accuracy, to know what to focus on and to know what to let fall by the wayside, to know what to remember and to know what to forget to know where to focus, to not focus based on appearances, but to, as I began with the first reminder, to not skim the surface, but to go much, much deeper. 
So from this simple but exquisitely beautiful and delicate insect, these are some things that I am reminded of, that I know to the extent I'm willing to practice any one of them better than I am right now, that my life is going to be better, and I believe yours would be as well. So quickly to recap, they were, don't just skim the surface, be willing to go deep. So ask yourself, there's a problem in your life right now? Ask yourself if you need to go a little deeper in understanding it. Second, to develop your personal and spiritual agility. Have you gotten kind of rigid in your thinking or your way of being or your routine? Does something need to move a little bit and be a little more fluid? The third was to go for simplicity and efficiency. Have you allowed clutter of thinking or of demands to, to force you into a box? Do you need to step back and look at, at what, what can you do better? How can you simplify? The fourth was to be the light and to reflect the light. Is there some relationship in your life right now? Some place that you go that feels dark and heavy that you could walk into and do your best job of shining your light bright, even if that sounds silly? You never know the difference that doing so may make to someone. Someone's eyes may catch you. The fifth was to live in the present and to live it fully, to seize, carpe diem, to seize the day, to seize the moment. And the last was to be willing to open your eyes wider. Namaste. Namaste.